0: Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of prambling wrecks. Alrighty, Hal. Welcome back to episode 17 of Unblocking Crypto. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about Cardano. Although before we get into that, um, yesterday was a wild day in the crypto markets. Uh, So hopefully you can kind of give us some insight on what happened. Maybe before that happens, let me mention a few things on my end on just the positive news happening in the crypto space here in the last week or so so a couple of quick things one um, meta Facebook is is going to start supporting nfts in Instagram so that's pretty exciting I know I've probably talked about nfts way more than you want to hear right but um, it's exciting to see that it is continuing to to move forward the other thing that's really interesting Is Robinhood um, is now supporting some of the grayscale crypto products, which um, on the kind of after hearing Fidelity is supporting Bitcoin in their 401ks, Robin is doing this. What's interesting is Robinhood actually had a pretty bad uh, earnings report, where I think they laid off nine or ten percent of their workforce, but the crypto portfolio is actually making money inside of Robinhood. So while the stock side is losing money, the crypto side is actually making money for them. Um, So that's really exciting to see. And then there's a ton of really interesting things going on with Polygon. And one of the intriguing ones that I saw is that they're partnering with Stripe, the payments guy, um, and that will enable people to start utilizing Stripe and the Polygon uh network to make payments i think in usdc in the near future Um, and it sounds like there's some interest from twitter to enable that on their platform too Uh, so elon musk actually i shouldn't say he leaked it somebody leaked his documents of what he wanted to turn twitter into and they want to be kind of a payments platform in the future and and have quite a bit of money coming from payments um, in the next five or six years from them so Exciting stuff. I think crypto is going to be one of the ways for them to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens over in the next months and years with that. But let's talk about yesterday.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yesterday was a crazy day. Um, there was like a rush to liquidity, not as bad as the March um, 2020 rush to liquidity where everybody sold everything to get into U.S. dollars. But it was pretty bad. Stocks were down. Um, you know, bonds have taken a beating. The um, crypto over the weekend was bad, and then kind of it, it, there's such an emotional component, or a lot of a lot of you know copycat stuff. So once the markets opened, everything starts tumbling. The Nasdaq starts going down. So the same people that are trading big uh, quantities of stocks and tech stocks are trading large quantities of of uh, crypto, and so they're selling behavior buying behavior is similar and so they' they kind of dumped crypto and so things were starting to slide well Luna like they're a, a cryptocurrency that um, they have a, uh, a paired stable coin called UST and essentially they burn Luna and convert it to UST when people want UST and then when they want to come out of it they create Luna and uh, burn the UST. So it's like, it's always stable. It's an algorithmic stable coin. And so the guy, um, the CEO of that, his name's Doquan, he decided that he's going to help bolster the UST stable coin using Bitcoin. Because we talked about this in the use case episode where Bitcoin can be, kind of a fundamental collateral or asset for cryptocurrencies, because everybody in crypto will accept Bitcoin. And so he's got, um, I mean, I don't know the the numbers, but let's say that UST is pegged to a dollar, algorithmically by 80% Luna and 20% Bitcoin. Well, in yesterday's rush to liquidity, when everybody's selling everything, Luna drops past the point where it can support the dollar peg for UST, so it starts to go from a dollar to 98 to 90, 99 to 98 cents. and so things start to fall apart, and then as, as things fall apart, they fall apart more, right As people notice it, they start to sell Luna. the value of Luna comes down, and so the problem keeps getting worse. So what? What they did is, you know, over the like I said in the use case, they they bolstered their Luna um, and Bitcoin, or they bolstered their stablecoin with Luna plus Bitcoin. So they took, I think it was twenty three thousand five hundred Bitcoin out of their wallet, and I couldn't tell if they sold the Bitcoin for for dollars or if they used the Bitcoin as collateral to get a loan. Um, in order to bolster the stablecoin, and so either way, you had more fear in the market when twenty three thousand five hundred Bitcoin move out of a wallet. Um, that makes people nervous. So you know you got the market coming down. You've got the you've got a stablecoin losing its peg, which is bad. Um, and then you know the this is this is part of why like Bitcoin humbles you, right? Bitcoin doesn't have a CEO that says, hey, we got to make this decision. Hey, we got to do this. We, Bitcoin just makes a block every 10 minutes. It rewards the miners and it's steady. So Bitcoin doesn't care about all this stuff. Bitcoin is just doing what it does. But Luna has got a CEO that makes these decisions, that tries these different things, that has an algorithmic stable coin. And so you end up seeing Luna drop. Uh, Luna used to be over $100. Now it, it low it, it hit a low point of about twenty 25 dollars yesterday. Um, and UST, you know it's supposed to be at right at a dollar, and it dropped. I want to say it got into the 60 cent range, which is which is like near failure of a stable coin. Um, And if they can't get it back to a dollar soon it'll be it'll be considered a failure of a stablecoin. So that's bad news, right? Um, we talked about. Kind of everybody's looking at crypto now right this is during the window in which the executive order asked various government agencies to look at look into crypto and figure out what it can do and what it can't do and so we had a we had a stable coin supposed to be worth a dollar dropped to 70 cents and that's that's um that's bad news right you don't want you know when you're, t- when you're taking your final exam you, you want to make 100 on that final exam. You don't, you don't want to make a 70, right? And then especially if it's pass-fail, right? You don't want to make a 65 on a pass-fail. Well,
0: It's called a stable coin for a reason. It's supposed to be stable, <laughs> not exactly. losing 30% of its value in one
1: day. And, you know, you've got, um, you've got the United States government looking at this and trying to figure out and create regulations around stable coins or decide if they're going to do CBDC um and and make their own and you've got but you've got every country looking at this and so this is i consider this be pretty bad news i'm not a big stable coin guy because like i don't see why you can't just zip other cryptocurrencies around and convert them I, I i don't i don't know why you would do something different than that i mean maybe that's me being old and just jumping from bitcoin to ethereum to whatever um I these days. I just I turn U.S. dollars into Bitcoin, so I don't really use stablecoins. But I'm um, I'm curious to see kind of what this does, what the ripple effect is on this when it comes to upcoming regulations um, and and how these reports come out in response to the executive order. Which I think we're at like we got four more months before we start seeing some of these reports come out.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I think just to tag on a couple things there, um, I would say one of the benefits of stable coins is for people that need the money immediately, right? I mean, there's some ways to earn 9% on your stable coin per year, but you're theoretically not losing any money. If all of a sudden you're losing 30% in a the day, then that negates the whole reason to be in a stable coin, and there's no reason not to be. So, yeah, I, I agree. There, there's definitely some problems there. Yeah, then.
1: That might be part of the problem when UST is their anchor protocol was giving 20% APY on UST when when you staked it or whatever uh, with anchor protocol. So like they pretty much built a house of cards that stood up fine as long as the price of Luna and Bitcoin was high. But when the price of Luna and Bitcoin dropped, there, the cards at the bottom collapsed. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing crashed down. Yeah,
0: that's um, kind of interesting. It, it's we're going to talk about Cardano here in a second, but Cardano is about to release a algorithmic stablecoin as well. So, coming on the heels of this, it'll be interesting to see what happens at this point with all of it.
1: Yeah, it, it's um, I don't know. We're like we're at day zero of whatever this means for uh, for cryptocurrency and and for stablecoins. So I think. Um, We'll see what happens. They got to get the, they got to get UST back to a dollar. That's a big deal.
0: Yeah. I think one of the other maybe highlights too, that I saw here in the past week is that um, the amount of liquidity is actually higher on decentralized exchanges instead of the centralized exchanges for the, for the first time and maybe a very long time. Um, so it's, it's exciting to see that we're not reliant on these centralized guys and that it's more about um, the decentralized exchanges where everybody has access to it. So
1: maybe it'll all work out. Good time to buy. Right? I mean, I'm I bought I bought more yesterday, so bought more Bitcoin.
0: <laughs> well, cool. All
1: right. Well, let's um, let's switch the
0: topic to Cardano, and I think the next twenty minutes or so is going to be. Uh, kind of a little bit of a whirlwind and I'm going to try to explain a few things. Um, but the, I would say almost the problem with Cardano is some of the things they're doing is so far above my head, it is hard for me to try to even explain what they're trying to accomplish. Um, so to me, what's one of the reasons that I've always been a fan of Cardano is they are looking at it from a um, how, how it should work prior to actually building it. Like if you look at most Silicon Valley type companies, technology companies, they're like, let's just get a product out there and we'll fix it as it goes, right? Um, Cardano is kind of the opposite where they are looking at it, creating it, testing it out, writing white papers, getting peers to review it before they implement anything. Uh, So the the one bad part about that is that takes a lot longer. And things move much slower than the um, ready-fire-aim approach from right. most, most technology companies. So if you, if you look at Cardano, their big mission almost is to onboard a billion users in the next uh, six or so years. Um, the way that they're looking at doing that is made mostly by onboarding Africa. Because um, most of Africa doesn't really have the backbone of the financial system that they need to grow. So we'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But just um, kind of to, to start out, Cardano, uh, we talked about Ethereum last week and Bitcoin the week before that, right? Bitcoin was started in nine, Ethereum was 2015. Um, Cardano is still about two and a half years after Ethereum, so September of 2017. Um, the price is in the 60 cent range right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where it is since yesterday? Um, the number of tokens outstanding today is like 34 billion. Uh, what Cardano did is something very similar to Bitcoin, where they have a certain amount that will be released up until 45 billion. And then after that, the fees from um, all the transactions will continue to fund Cardano. Um, So it is somewhat deflationary, I guess, at some point when it gets to that point, like Bitcoin is, which is kind of the opposite of Ethereum where they're creating a certain percent each year, although Ethereum is burning some too. Now Cardano is looking into that, but they have not done any of that yet. Um, The market cap for Cardano is... (laughs) was was about 22 billion yesterday. Um, it, it should be somewhere around there, which is still quite a bit smaller than everybody else, but they're one of the top 10 cryptos out there. Um, so how, one of the other things that was different with Cardano, um, if you look at Ethereum, Ethereum, um, had a a sale for their their token. And even like Solana and Avalanche, Solana and Avalanche did most of their sale, like 40 plus percent of their initial tokens was to kind of insiders. Cardano was a little different where they had 83% of their um, initial offering go to um, the public. And out of that initial offering, 58% of that was kind of the, the, the total supply, right? So this was very much a, if you want in, it's public. We're not doing anything insider wise. I mean, they did have some that went to some of the team, but it's it's not very much at all. One of the, the differences for them too is they do what's called an epoch. So every five days is how they're doing their rewards. So if you are staking in Cardano, you'll see new rewards every five days. Um and they they are proof of stake, which is what Ethereum is moving to and what is using a lot of lot less energy than Bitcoin. Um, but what they've done is they've modified their version of, um, validating the nodes to making it look something like Bitcoin, just with proof-of-stake. So it's kind of, kind of got a combination of the proof-of-stake and the proof-of-work models, which is, which is really interesting. Um, the other really cool piece about them, and if you mess with Ethereum at all, you've kind of understood that when you're making a transaction on, on Ethereum, gas fees can vary wildly all over the place. And just because you you pay gas to make a transaction happen, um, that doesn't guarantee for it to happen. So, and if it doesn't happen, you lose the gas fee that you paid. Um, For Cardano, it's the opposite. So they have deterministic fees. So they can tell you exactly what the fee is going to be prior to execution. And if it doesn't happen, you get the fees back. Uh, So (laughs) when Ethereum has had gas fees in the hundreds of dollars, that has made Cardano look very intriguing uh, and, and Cardano almost, they, they describe themselves as a generation three blockchain too. So Bitcoin was kind of the generation one, Ethereum was generation two, where it added some more of the, the smart contract capability. And Cardano is calling themselves a generation three, uh, which is just kind of moving forward to that, that next view of where blockchain should should be. Um, they, while they want to move blockchain forward, they also are not requiring to be solely on their their backbone, right? So a lot of what they're doing is trying to help a lot of these African countries set up something that is not on the Cardano blockchain that will easily port over to it in the future if they want. So they just want to be the custodian at some point and provide ideally ADA, um, which is their token as one of the backbones to the financial system that other people are using.
1: So so with Cardano, what you know, when we talk about the types of crypto, is it like a monetary cryptocurrency, a smart chain cryptocurrency? Like what category, you know, is it a privacy coin? I don't know. i own some Cardano, but I don't know a whole lot about it.
0: Yeah, so I would not say it's a privacy coin for sure, right? Everything is very public or will be public. I don't think they have the true coin um, tracker that like Ethereum has, right? So they're they're working on developing that to make it easier to see where everything goes. Um, but it's it's mainly governance, right? So if you look at Cardano's roadmap, they're in the third phase of their five phase roadmap. And the third phase has been more focused on smart contracts. Um, the next two phases are focused on um, governance and voting. Oh, uh, man. I forget where I had that written down. But it's 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 kind of that moving forward. So what Cardano does do um, is they're, they look at it. I mean, they can be a monetary, and they think that they could be another option to bitcoin or something else out there right that's saying here's the crypto that we're using as a, a, a way to transfer wealth but they also use their token in a, in terms of governance so they have what's they call catalyst and that allows you to vote on all the changes so cardano while they were centralized to start with they have now moved over to become a decentralized cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, right? So there is not a centralized location, um, and w- whether that's good or bad is kind of up, up to you, right? I mean, there are times where it maybe it helps to have someone say, "Here's what you need to do," um, instead of having the the group vote as a whole. I mean, if you look at the US population and their track record on choosing presidents, maybe that's not the best decision <laughs> anymore.
1: Yeah, I don't care for I don't care for general population consensus has <laughs> not been awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, so um, kind of going back to Cardano, they do have um, Hydra, which is coming up, which is going to be very similar to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. So right now Cardano is doing about 250 transactions per second, which Bitcoin is at seven and Ethereum's at 15. Right, so it's a lot faster. Um, but if you look at the layer twos for Cardano, or for Bitcoin, you're doing a million or something close to that, right?
1: Yeah, light like network is almost almost infinite. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. yeah it, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. It's hundreds of thousands, yeah.
0: So Cardano is doing that too, but it'll be on their original layer, right? So it won't really need the the true layer too. And the other thing that is interesting with them, so they divided their um, blockchain up into two different pieces. So you have kind of the consensus layer and you have the transaction layer and they don't have to run at the same time. So the, the concept being that Every so many seconds, you could have the consensus block being confirmed, but you could have a constant stream, go, stream going into the transactions layer and just a pointer from the consensus blockchain to the um, the payments layer. So now you could have a lot more transactions happening in the background and it's not um, uh, blocked by being um validated by the consensus layer
1: right so you can smooth out your like if you have moments where you have a lot of transactions and blocks would be full you can continue to accept transactions and they just roll into future blocks in the background while the consensus layer is still checking the block so exactly that's that works great as long as you always eventually catch up right that's uh, I don't I don't know well, that, but that seems like it.
0: Well, you're not you're not really ever. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much catching up. It's, um, I mean, the the consensus layer for them is very similar to Bitcoin's proof of work, right? So you're proving that they're doing right. Um, so that's instead. the quick part. It, uh, the quick part is like a bunch of payments going in, right? So you're you're putting a bunch of payments in, and the consensus is proving that you're not lying the entire time.
1: Right. But like with Bitcoin, the nodes operate quickly, easily, low processing power. It's not hard to validate the transactions. It's hard to create the block here with a proof of stake. It'll be it's easier to create the blocks. And it's also pretty easy to validate that the transactions are valid. Is that correct?
0: Correct. From what I understand. Yes. So Bitcoin is taking 10 minutes to do that. Cardano is taking seconds, I think. I think right now it's like 60 seconds for a consensus block or something like that. Got it. Um, So the other really cool thing that they do too is um, I call it the ISPO, Initial Stake Pool Offering. And we've talked a little bit about this maybe one-on-one. But the stake pool is pretty much the, the nodes that are proving out that the blocks should be validated, right? One of the cool things that they do is... They pay, I and mean, it's very similar and someone else running on the node, you're going to get a percentage of the fees. Um, but what they have kind of moved on from, from the initial ICO, initial coin offering, is now people will put a bunch of money into your stake pool and you'll get money that way. And then the stake pools are kind of rewarding their um, the people going into that by giving them some of their token. So like Sunday Swap on Cardano was one of the biggest notable ones that did this. And instead of having their own stake pool, they got the community to vote for 30 different stake pools. And then if you had your money in, or your Cardano in those stake pools um, during the the four or five epochs that they did it, they rewarded those people with Sunday swap tokens. Um, So it's kind of a cool way of doing things. The other great part about Cardano is when you do delegate your Cardano to the stake pools, you aren't actually delegating, um, or you aren't giving them control of your tokens. You're just delegating the voting rights. So they they never own it. It always stays in your wallet. And at any point, you can decide not to stake it anymore. And it's an immediate, you get your tokens back. Whereas a lot of the other platforms out there, like Polkadot and Cosmos and, and things like that, um, they have a certain amount of time period for it to unlock, which is for those two close to about two weeks, right? So you don't get your money back for two weeks. Where Cardano, it's pretty instantaneous. Um, we talked about Ethereum being a couple years ahead of Cardano, so it's it's Cardano is really hard to compare um, on how things are going. I'll try to do that here in a little bit. But what was interesting since 2021. Uh, at Cardano, the um, number of wallets has grown by over 1,300%, right? So you're going from about 200,000 to 3 million wallets. Um, and the number of um, wallets that are being used pretty actively grew by almost 900%, right? So, It's exciting to see what's going on. Uh, What's really cool too is that the transaction volume on Cardano has actually exceeded the transaction volume on Ethereum too. Uh, So that I think the first time it happened was in January, Um, and the transaction volume for Cardano was about seven billion, where Ethereum's was about five and a half billion the difference was the fees the fees on cardano were about 66,000 for that 7 billion and for ethereum's 5.4 billion the fees were 44.7 million so you're talking about multiple decim- decimal places different Vers- so you said
1: 66,000 in transaction fees versus 44 billion almost 45 billion
0: 44 million Million, million with it. You know. five, yeah, five
1: point four billion dollars
0: in transactions, um, transaction volume equated to forty-four point seven million in transaction fees. Got it. Um. All right, so let's talk about some of the partnerships that Cardano has because I, I think that's kind of interesting. To show you, they're they're almost going after a different space for some of these things. So they partnered with Ethiopia. They have a letter of intent or a letter of understanding, whatever it's called. Um, they are planning on using or taking five million students and about seven hundred fifty thousand teachers, and provide them a decentralized identity and blockchain-based um, educational records. So, this would allow them to verify grades way more efficiently um, and then track educational performance at the same time. So, if this becomes commonplace and it works there, then it wouldn't surprise me for this to happen in quite a few other countries, including the one we're in now, (laughs) since we had some issues with uh, parents and schools.
1: Yeah, that's Um, that's interesting. I haven't heard really blockchain for grades and schools but that makes a lot of sense in general because like i mean i remember kids in high school would get a progress report and just straight up change it i actually knew a kid that transferred schools that, so this is i mean this might show how old i am but he transferred schools they gave him a handwritten progress report to go from one school to another and he changed his grades up from like 78s to 98s and stuff oh and goodness. and then he was like what's the worst that can happen and and guess what he turned his C's into A's when he transferred schools so like it's and that was like in you know late 90s uh late so the computers existed the internet was around they could have done a better job than than handwritten progress report but he so yeah maybe maybe it's time that uh like education kind of caught caught up a little bit i mean and i always view education as being ripe for disruption because college costs hundreds of thousands of dollars which is insane especially if you're not getting like an engineering degree or something so uh, using blockchain to <clears throat> to disrupt the education system i think that's worth that's something i haven't thought much about so that's good
0: Yeah, and it's easy to do that in Africa where there's not a lot of other infrastructure that you have to overcome. Like it's almost started from ground
1: zero in a lot of these countries, right? right? Yeah, they don't have teachers unions that are going to push back against everything. And yeah.
0: Yeah, so so the other thing that they did too um, in Zanzibar was the the goal being to kind of maximize the use of the region's um, key assets, which is the ocean. So they are working on how to help them create sustainable use of the ocean resources for economic growth um, uh, and the livelihood and careers as well. So th- it's almost more of a supply chain type of thing that they're trying to handle, which if they can turn that into something, then that will be really intriguing. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there kind of going after the supply chain phase, but it's, it's, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, right? So that that's kind of cool. Um, we've I know you and I have probably talked about oracles and Chainlink is probably the most notable oracle. One of the other partnerships that they have is with Wolfram and Wolfram is a centralized oracle um, where Chainlink is a decentralized. And while Cardano does have a partnership with Chainlink, uh, the one that's interesting about Wolfram is this would allow the Cardano data to be made available to Alexa and to to Siri. So mm-hmm. um, they would have access to all of that. And you could use smart contracts to do things there. Um, there is a uh, another partnership with Scantrust, um, which I actually I think that is the proof of concept for a supply chain solution. So um, not a ton of details on that right now um there is one for identity so i think it's a current which does a, a sure id this would enable all your on-chain kyc and AML, which would be really intriguing for um, defi especially right so um and just your identity in general for everything else would be awesome and then even um, dish and boost uh, dish network which is a pretty large company, they are focused on trying to make blockchain a, a core part of their business. And they are um, using Cardano um, to help with a rewards-based program and a few other things as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that, what that turns into, but um, it's exciting to see what's going on. Cardano does have their own version of a rewards program they call Ada Cash. I don't know a ton about that. Um, they have done... They're, they're starting to get into the NFT space, right? I mean, we, I've talked about NFTs and Ethereum is by far the biggest one. Cardano is way down the list right now. I want to say... Um, I mean, they have a lot on there, but it's nothing compared to Ethereum. I think Ethereum has 90 plus percent of the market and yep. there are a few others that are getting more than Cardano. Now, they keep saying they're going to be intrigued when you have a the ability to, to switch from Ethereum contracts over to Cardano using some sort of piece of software. I don't know if yep. that's actually available yet, but that is is definitely something they're working on. Um, and then DeFi, right? DeFi is definitely <laughs> last year, or I guess was that summer of yeah, 2021, DeFi kind of took off. Cardano now can enable that thanks to smart contracts, but it's still in its infancy. Like they just pretty much enabled it in like January of this year. So it, it went from having less than a million dollars in the total value locked on in January and January 1st to now. Um, having over 165 million locked. And at one point it was over um, 300 million. And what's intriguing about that to go from nothing to a billion took Ethereum um, I think somewhere close to like 29 months to do that. 26, 29 months. So almost almost two years. And Cardano was on pace to do that in less than a year. right? Um, So this the last couple of months have been interesting and kind of pushed everything down a little bit but uh, if they continue to grow then that will be really intriguing um as a side note though if you kind of look at what cardano is doing in in terms of being state right they have more than 70 percent of cardano state which is equivalent to um, over 15 billion dollars worth of uh crypto which that puts him as like one of the top two or 3 DeFi products out there right so mm-hmm. um that's that doesn't count as DeFi, but it is it does show something about cardano and the belief there uh, i think that is the highest percentage of staked um crypto out of anything out there um so we, we talked about some of the roadmap smart contracts is today. It's scaling and governance are the two other ones that they're focused on over the next three to five years. Their goal for 2022 is to onboard 50 banks, um, which that makes things really interesting. But it's, it's really not onboarding them onto Cardano. It's building bridges to help them get into blockchain. Right. And like we talked about before, act as more of a custodian. In uh, the 2023-2024 range, their one of their big goals is to get three Fortune 500 companies to hold ADA on their balance sheet. Uh, we've talked about Bitcoin being on quite a bit, and you can follow that online. Um, Ethereum is starting to get a few of those as well. So if Cardano can get some of those in the next couple of years, then that will be intriguing. Their goal for 2026 and beyond is getting to that billion users. And and that's where um, things really become interesting. Um, Quick comparison before we jump into kind of what I think the price could look like. Cardano wallets, I think now are up to about three and a half million. This same point for Bitcoin and Ethereum, Bitcoin was about 25 million. And Ethereum was 107 million. So the adoption for Cardano is not nearly as much as Bitcoin and, or as fast as Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, but kind of going back to, they are moving a lot slower on implementing things. So that was um, one of the big reasons. Um, what else? Um. Kind of a, a side note. I, I mentioned Grayscale in the the news earlier about Robinhood enabling Grayscale um, products. If you look at Grayscale, their two biggest holdings are Bitcoin and Ethereum. Their number third biggest holding is Cardano, right? So it's maybe just saying there are people that believe in it. Um, it's still got a long ways to go,
1: but uh, the future and, does look and, pretty good. And you know, I, I think you got me into Cardano maybe in 2018, 2017 or something. And I don't recall there being like a big issue with Cardano, like in the last month or so, like, well, Solana had a, had a issue where they went down, like the Solana network went down. Um, You had this issue with Luna. Does it has Cardano had a moment where it was like, Oh, oops. Our software, our, our code has a, has a bug things glitch out or I don't recall that happening, but is, do you have any, anything on that? So I haven't, haven't been able to find too
0: much on it. I mean, I think they had a couple of things where transactions were really slow. Um, but That's they, everybody. I mean, yeah, they, they aren't, they aren't releasing anything until they kind of test it really well. Right. One, one of the key differences in Cardano too, is that they program everything in Haskell which is a programming language that's used mainly in some of the financial industries. So it is, um, it's a lot more difficult to use than some of the other things that everybody else is using. Uh, which means that they have a lot less people to choose from on who can actually do the development too. Uh, but it also is making sure there's no loopholes to, to kind of, um, crash or steal a lot of funds from other places a lot of times too. So. Overall, it looks like they're headed down the right the right path. I mean, with both of us being engineers, right? I, I think we kind of like the concept of really planning things out and um, making sure it works before you just release it into the world.
1: Well, as engineer plus entrepreneur, especially, I mean, every single time, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at stuff or doing things. I'm like, all right, let's, we're going to try this. <clears throat> let's keep it small. Let's make our, let's make all. All of our problems occur while we're small so that we don't have problems when we're big. And I think a lot of these tech guys, like you said, uh, ready, fire, aim, right? The punishment of failure for these guys in, in, if, if Twitter has a glitch, if Facebook has a glitch, like, yeah, it kind of sucks, but nobody's, nobody's losing, you know, their, their life savings on it. And so I think when you port those that mentality and those engineers from from Silicon Valley into crypto, it's tough to break that culture of like, go, go, go. And we'll just we'll figure it out. But what it's it's wildly different. You know, I would rather pull financial guys and people that are coding for for traditional finance over and then help teach them. Hey, this is not finance where you just get to make stuff up, and if you you know if you fail, then you'll get bailed out. Like at least they respect that it's money and it's other people's money. Like, I like I would I would assume um, that it, that the ones that go from fin- traditional finance into crypto, part of the reason they do it has to be, oh, this is this is like the new way. You can't fake it. Like you you know the. the it kind of stinks, in my opinion, that the derivatives market and the futures market so so prevalent now in crypto because that's just such a freaking like leverage game, and it's it's like old school finance game where I I I just don't like it. That's I think that's why I like Bitcoin so much. It's like you should not buy Bitcoin on leverage. <laughs> like I mean, Bitcoin you know you can't really manipulate it like you can all these other things, but you know the, you know, the futures contracts and derivatives help you help people play those games and i think that's bad in general because when things unwind they unwind in a hurry and when you hit like a a cascade where like a liquidity cascade or you hit like a short squeeze or a long squeeze and everything just starts to unravel on them it you know the stock market has circuit breakers man if it goes down a certain amount they're like hey it's a bad day we're just going to shut things down for a little bit, let everybody cool off and think about it. like Bitcoin man, crypto doesn't have a circuit breaker like the closest thing we have is when coinbase goes down on volume and can't handle can't handle the traffic. and but I mean if Bitcoin goes or if coinbase goes down, binance is still running or all these other exchanges still go. So I, I, I'm, I don't I don't care for that piece of it, but, if I'm looking at who's who's coding the software, I really don't want a guy that was coding for uh, making making iPhone games coming over and then taking over a monetary system. Like that's that ain't that ain't great. Uh, I feel like that's a recipe for trouble, and and maybe that's why we see some of these like weird glitchy problems in the software that probably shouldn't be there. And and it's probably why you you know the earliest. Cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, even Ethereum—you know—they're grounded in uh, cryptography, in you know, creating a new system, and with the gravity of if we screw this up, it may we may not get a second chance. Whereas I, I'm, you know, when you have ten thousand competitors, you're you're probably going to get a second chance. So I, I that's a that's th- these are these are thoughts i haven't really fleshed out but as far as who's behind and who's coding but yeah i mean i'm an engineer and i don't care why a bridge stands up right i'm only worried about the reasons that it's going to collapse like i don't i don't i don't i don't pat people on the back for doing a good job on the easy stuff like you got to do a good job on every single piece of the puzzle otherwise things collapse and yeah i mean it happens to solana like Solana's supposed to have really good coders, but yeah, they pass like seven times. Yeah, it's like a monthly thing for them.
0: That's yeah. all one of the jokes was Solana needs to post um something online on when they're actually open, the hours that they're open. <laughs> 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 so I I think they're good, right? I mean, I think they'll be good. But um yeah, so all right, so let's talk about numbers because uh, I think this is what all people listen to anyways, right? Is what what do we think it's gonna look like? Um, yeah. We we that's talk why you,
1: that's why you talk about it at the end.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, people won't listen to all the important stuff. Exactly. So we we talked in the past couple of weeks on where we think the total market cap of crypto is going to be, and it's in that maybe 150 trillion-ish range. Um, in in the in the future, right? Definitely not next year. We're talking eight ten years out at least. Um, so, I looked at it from two ways. One was just a market dominance of Cardano, right? Where the history of where they've been and what that means. Um, if you look at Cardano, they have been as high as about four and a half percent of the market dominance, um, which I don't expect for them to go back to that anytime soon. But if
1: they take off, hey, who knows?
0: Um, and I'm,
1: real quick, one thought on market dominance. <clears throat> if, if the SEC cracks down on securities or as, as most cryptos as securities like the market dominance is heavily diluted because all of these cryptos have like a 0.01% and 0.1 and 0.05 and all of that stuff adds up to erode the market dominance of the actual valuable cryptocurrencies when you have 10,000 nonsense cryptocurrencies and so if the SEC comes out and says hey if you if you don't pass the howey test or if you pass the howey test you're a security and you need to get registered with the SEC well that again going to eliminate probably 95% of all cryptocurrencies drop out the next day mm-hmm. and so the, the market dominance of the surviving cryptocurrencies is going to shoot up so that's that's something to consider i don't i don't want you to impact your numbers on that but i i was thinking about that after we talked about ethereum because it's like all of these all of the like bitcoin's market dominance everybody talks about bitcoin's market dominance oh it's losing market dominance well, it used to just be up against Ethereum and Litecoin, and now you know, for every you know, people get into Bitcoin or people get into crypto, and instead of jumping into Bitcoin, they jump into Luna and Rando stuff, and you know, let's go brand, and... let's go Brandon Coin, and so you, the, all of those dollars that used to go into kind of the the blue chips are getting in, spread into the, I mean, into the microchip cryptocurrency <laughs> coins. So, so um, continue, but that's something to consider that the market dominance thing could really flip if regulation knocks out a bunch of garbage.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's no really great way of doing any of this. I think I just looked at the history Correct. of Cardano in the past and where they've gotten to, where they haven't gone below, and then kind of where they spent a lot of time at. Right? And so they, they've gotten up to 4.5%. Uh, they've gone down to about half a percent, right? And they've spent a lot of time in the, the 2% range, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I based everything off of. If um, if you do that, um, and I kind of broke it out by, uh, based on 45 billion Cardano, which it won't really be that, but I couldn't figure out exactly how many it would be around that time. So I'm kind of looking at worst case scenario. Um, the high end at four and a half percent equates to about a hundred and eighty dollar Cardano, right? Which is would be awesome. Um, <laughs> the the mid range is about eighty dollars, and the low end is is about twenty dollars. So if you look at that from where things are today, you're talking about a thirty three x from where they are today on the low end, one hundred thirty three x on the mid range, and a three hundred x on the high end. From things are. so it's so you're
1: saying between thirty and one hundred and eighty dollars per cardano. Between twenty and one hundred and eighty. Twenty and one hundred and eighty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For I about think that's ten years out. Then it should be a wide range because who knows? Like yeah. the the further we get from the bitcoins and Ethereum, the the wider the range should get because the you know going after the African market is is a strategy but how often does africa lead other countries or you know they don't they're they're not typically an economic leader but that'll be that'll be interesting to see but a billion users is a billion users if you can get it no matter what and i'd love for bitcoin to have a billion users like i don't care where they're from
0: i think that's coming here so i I also looked at it too from a um, industries that it could take over, or not take over, but take a, take a portion of it from, and we've mm-hmm. done this before. Um, I I would say I was pretty conservative on a lot of these industries because we didn't talk about any of the M two money supply for Cardano, which theoretically they could. I mean, they're saying they can compete against Bitcoin, and we're saying that's a possibility for Bitcoin in the future too. Um, banking. Is about two point three trillion dollars then, and I, I talked about getting five percent of that. Insurance will be about six trillion. I Talked about getting five percent of that. Um, NFTs is going to be three and a half percent. I said if they could just do two percent of that, right, which is a very small portion. Um, I um, so I put a mis- miscellaneous thing in there, right, and. The way that I look at that is that there's these things like we talked about um, voting systems for, for states. And I don't know if you've ever paid attention to how much a state has to pay um, every four years to handle the vote or every two years, whatever it is, to handle the voting. Um, well, the, I guess the, the funny part is no one actually knows. Right? So no one knows <laughs> how much this costs. Welcome to government. Right? Um, they, what people have said is it's somewhere between 10 million and 1 trillion. <laughs> right. so, big, big gap yeah nice range right so um, I, I, I just said you know what there's probably 500 million dollars worth of that if you looked at all the countries across the world right and it's that's probably grossly underestimating it and I just said if you could do 5% of that right um, and that could be some sort of benefit there um, I did kind of put in uh, the, like a, the capital markets, all stocks and stuff like that. But I did, t- that's like a hundred trillion, but I took half percent of that. And then derivatives, if they're really going to be able to compete um, with those type of transaction speeds, they should maybe be able to do something like that too. So if they got half percent there, um, those are much further out, right? But the way that I have that broken down, um, Oh, and the other other thing, too, that I looked at was um, the GDP of Africa. So if they're really going after Africa, what does that mean in terms of value, right? Um, If you look at the GDP of the U.S., we're about um, 23 trillion, somewhere around that. Um, Africa, um, by about 2030, based on where it is today and where it's growing, should be around 3.9 trillion. So a very small piece of that um and I said if they could get 5% of that right then no. that would help enable them. I mean I would hope they're going to help enable a lot more of that but all of that kind of adding up is going to put things um right around um $16 per Cardano, right? So that sorry, and that's without doing any of the capital markets and the derivatives. So if you added the capital markets and the derivatives, which is was just half a percent of each one of those, it goes to about one hundred and forty-four dollars for Cardano. Okay. So even at the sixteen, that's still a twenty-six x, and the one hundred forty-four is a two hundred forty x. So pretty much what I'm saying is, I think Cardano can do somewhere between a twenty-five and 300x in the next decade, right? Um, which hopefully does a lot more than that, right? But that's my <laughs> best guess of of where this will go.
1: Yeah, 300x is probably a uh, a lofty goal. But to me, that that yeah. means Cardano is, a, is is a winner. Like Cardano is a part of the a part of the global economic equation. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to go away uh, if you get to that point. That's uh you're you're pretty well entrenched in like the African economy, and you're taking bits of you know the economy. Your you're trusted protocol to handle the smart contract side.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's exciting to see what's going on. I mean I know like companies like Ripple are trying to do a lot of the payments and Stellar and things like that. But Cardano or Cardano could do kind of the same thing uh, with super cheap fees and just a lot more trust, right? And they're going to create a lot more of the backbone for some of these companies too. Um, And not only to do something behind the scenes, but also to bring what they're doing behind the scenes and pull it onto the blockchain. So the future looks good. Um, It is definitely happening a lot slower than anybody wants to. I I think Cardano suffers a little bit from not having the marketing hype, Uh, but they do have a very vocal leader (laughs) that is... Kind of focused on showing what's important, right? When, when needed. So, yep. and he's an ex Ethereum co founder too, right? The two guys that started Cardano were, were both Ethereum co founders. Um, so they are well aware of what Ethereum was doing and they're trying to make it better. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's what I got for now. And uh, this was, as always, really interesting to kind of do some research i spent way more time and learned a lot more about it than i did when i first bought it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's the way this works man like yeah honestly i think with crypto you buy it and then you learn about it on these smaller altcoins like you buy a small entry position and then that forces you to learn and then something along the way will make you really do a deep dive and determine, okay, what's my conviction level? How much money am I really going to put into this? So, um, so yeah, I think that, I think that's pretty valuable. Well, and something like Cardano too, when I bought it, it was at the very beginning stages of what
0: was going on. So they talked about what they were planning on doing, but from a high level and never in detail. So it's been interesting to see how things are progressing on there and, 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 it's exciting, right? It's it's definitely not happening as fast as I would like, but then again, you could have bought it for two cents a couple of years ago and it went up at $3 already. So um, people have done very well in Cardano. <laughs> yeah. Now that it's down, what, 80%, it might be another good buying opportunity.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it, like, when the markets are down and everybody's nervous, that's usually when... I like to slide in a few buys.
0: Oh, cool. Well, as always, Hal, thanks for joining. We will um, talk again
1: next week. Great, thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're
0: interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group on Blocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope you interact with you there.